We turn to number 149 in the Psalter hymnal as we prepare to hear God's word this morning. Number 149, my people give ear, attend to my word. In parables, new deep truths shall be heard. The wonderful story our fathers made known to children succeeding by us must be shown. We're going to sing just the first three verses, one, two, and three. Number 149, let's stand together as we sing. This morning, God's Word comes to us from Deuteronomy chapter 6. And I suppose, um, lest I be accused of only promoting the evening service when we talk about wives submitting, I I remind you that tonight, husbands, we will talk about husbands love your wives. So you are all invited to come back tonight as we continue to speak about Christian conduct in the home. This morning, we turn to Deuteronomy chapter 6, and we will read together the first nine verses. Deuteronomy 6, beginning at verse 1, what we hear now is God's Word. Now, this is the commandment, the statutes and the rules, that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you that you may do them in the land to which you are going over to possess it, that you may fear the Lord your God, you and your son and your son's son, by keeping all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you all the days of your life, and that your days may be long. Hear, therefore, O Israel, and be careful to do them, 
that it may go well with you and that you may multiply greatly as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you in a land flowing with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Here we in the reading of God's holy word. Well, today in our church is Christian Education Sunday, a day when we in particular uh, focus on the training and the education of our children uh, as that takes place in Christian day schools. Uh, but I want to remind you there's more uh, to training our children than sending them to Christian school. There's also the training that takes place in the church and the training that, play, that takes place in the home. And perhaps this morning we're going to focus more on those latter two um, as we think about the education of our children. Uh, this is certainly a text appropriate to educating our children. The task God has given to us uh, to teach them diligently. This text uh, includes uh, Deuteronomy 6, verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. This, uh, this verse is uh, perhaps one of the oldest uh, creeds, confessions of the church. A confession about Israel, a confession for Israel about God. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Uh, this confession is often referred to as the Shema, uh, which simply is the word for hear. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. A truth about who God is. And that truth has to be passed on to our children. That truth will affect all, every part of their life. We, we teach our children many things. We teach them how to tie their shoes. We teach them how to ride a bike. We teach them how to read. We teach them their times tables. Many things. We must not forget the most important thing, to teach them the truth about who God is. We talked this morning about teaching our children. This confession, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Some of you have a footnote in your Bible where it says this can be read another way, the Lord our God, the, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. That's a good reading as well. A confession about who God is. The Lord is one, and there is no other. Israel was receiving this instruction as they were coming out of the captivity in Egypt. And Egypt was polytheistic. They had many gods. They had hundreds of gods. Gods of the river, gods of the plains, gods of the hills, gods of agriculture, gods of battle, god after god after god after god. 
And Israel had lived in that culture for 400 years, this polytheistic, many gods out there. And as they come out, God gives this instruction, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one God, the Lord alone. There are not many gods. There is one God. And we have to hear that same instruction today. Because in many ways, we live in a polytheistic society. Oh, not, not little gods and stones and statues, but gods of, of entertainment, gods of, of sports. How many times, how many times do we sacrifice Lord's Day worship because our child has a soccer game, a baseball game, a whatever game? Other gods out there. Gods of sex and gods of self. What will make me happy? What will satisfy me? We have to hear the truth. There is one God. God alone, the only one who deserves our complete devotion. And this fundamental statement about who God is has to be passed on to our children. They will grow up in this polytheistic society. There's many gods out there. Pick the one you want. There's many ways to salvation. Choose the way you want. They have to hear the simple confession. The Lord, our God, the Lord is one. He is God alone. Children, there is only one way of salvation. There is only one Savior. It is the Lord Jesus Christ. And children, you have to put your faith in Him. You have to put your trust in this one God, this God alone. That has to be a part of our instruction of our children, teaching them the gospel that we are fallen that we are sinners, that we stand in need of a Savior, and God in His Son, Jesus Christ, has provided that Savior. While we call the gospel out to the world, put your faith in Jesus Christ, we have to give that same call to our kids. Kids, put your faith in Jesus Christ. Know Him as the one God, the God alone. You need to confess Him and be embraced by Him as well. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with your heart and your soul and your mind and your strength. This one God, this singular God, deserves our full allegiance and obedience. And He will show that allegiance to Him as we seek to keep His law, as we seek to follow His commands. These things are to be upon your heart. You should know these things, embrace these things, and live by these things. So often we see the law as that which keeps us from having fun. The law is a fence to keep all the exciting things out there. We have to realize the law for the believer who has embraced Jesus Christ. The law is our freedom. This is where we are free to live as God has called us to. I don't recall 
um, the author of this quote, but I love this quote. Freedom is the greatest where the boundaries are clearly defined. Freedom is the greatest where the boundaries are clearly defined. Inside those boundaries, we are free to live for God every day of our life. There was a school back in, I read this article back in the 80s, a school that was uh, uh, placed right next to a very, very busy street. And there was not a lot of playground space. They put up a fence um, to, uh, to keep the kids from running into the street. And the kids would go out and they would play in their rather small playground and, and this fence would keep them uh, safe from the street. Well, someone thought that this was um, not a good idea. It looked like it was, uh, you know, children uh, being fenced in, like they were uh, in a zoo, living in a cage. So they thought, hey, you know what? Let's remove the fence. Let's give the kids freedom. And what they found out was that while the fence was up, the kids were free to go all the way up to that fence and use the whole playground. Once they took the fence down, the kids stayed farther and farther and farther away from the road. Removal of the fence actually decreased their freedom. The law of God is the boundary within which we can live in complete freedom. When we remove that boundary, we find our freedoms begin to be taken away and we become enslaved. The blessing of following God, the one God, the God alone, and keeping His law. We read in verse 6. And, you saw, and these words I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. These words shall be upon your heart. The Word of God is to be inscribed upon our heart. There's an internal operation that goes on. Not simply external conformity but an internal desire. This is somewhat in contrast to what was said back in chapter 5, after God gives the Ten Commandments, reading verse chapter 5, 22, these words the Lord spoke to your assembly at the mountain out of the midst of the fire, the cloud and the thick darkness with a loud voice, and he added no more, and he wrote them on two tablets of stone and gave them to me. The law was written on stone in chapter 5. But in chapter 6, it is to be written upon their hearts. That internal desire to live as God has called us to live. And of course, this is the work of the Spirit. To, to make that law within come alive to free service to God. This law is to be upon your heart. You are to teach these things. And the word the, that is used here is a very interesting word. It has the connotation of, of, of something sharp, uh, something which pierces, uh, like a sharp blade or a sharp sword. Um, some of you know uh, I do some training uh, with a sword, and uh, I spent some time a while ago uh, training with a live sword, a live blade, and it's amazing the power of a live blade. A live blade can cut a thin slice through a piece of paper or it can take off a limb. There's power in a blade. This is the type of thing our children have to be had. They have to be sliced, pierced by the Word of God. That Word driven into them. That Word sharpened by the, sharpened by the Word of God, pierced by the Spirit. 
the sword of the Spirit gripping their hearts. Teach these things, instruct these things, sharpen your children on these things, that they are pierced by the Word of God. And notice what he says, you shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall teach them to your children. The education of our children is primarily the responsibility of parents. Now, we have some wonderful helps for us as parents. We do have Christian day schools, and we are so thankful for them. We are so thankful for teachers who labor uh, hours throughout the day to teach our children, to help us in that glorious task of teaching them about God's world, the world in which they live. And we are so thankful for Christian day schools where our children can learn these things. We are thankful for Sunday school and for catechism classes that help us as parents to teach these things. I, I love catechism. I, I, uh, we started catechism again. And I'm, I've always looked forward to catechism class. But I recognize I only have about a half an hour a week um, with my students. Um, that's not enough to really pierce them. My work is simply secondary. It is supplementary to what must be taking place at home. We as parents can never abdicate, abdicate this task of training our children. We can have tools, we can have helps, we can have those that come alongside us, but the responsibility remains with us as parents. Teach your children. And we teach our children so they can teach their children. Verse 2, that you may fear the Lord your God, you and your son and your son's son. This idea of multi-generational instruction. We teach our children so they can teach their children. Um, many of you are grandparents. You know what that's like. As parents, we teach our children. But it's our children's job to teach our grandchildren. Invest yourself in the training of your children for the sake of your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren. Because many times, many times, our children teach the way that they were taught if we are negligent, if we are lax in the education of our children, we should not be surprised when our grandchildren turn out the same way. We are to train our children. It is our responsibility as parents. And, and we're told then, how does that take place? Verse 7. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand. They shall be as frontlets between your eyes. And we have this, this picture here of, of ongoing, regular, daily instruction. Now talk about these things in a regular, ongoing way. When you sit in your house, the ideal of, idea of formal times of instruction. 
And there are formal times of instruction. We usually don't call it that. We often just call it family devotions. When we sit around the table together and we open the Word of God together and read that Word together, and when we ask our children, do you understand what we read? Do you understand how this points us forward to Christ, to His finished work on the cross? Do you understand how this calls us to faith and repentance, to put our trust in Him? I know that especially, especially when our kids hit the teenage high school years, the schedules become so crazy with all the various activities, and it seems like one of the things that goes by the wayside is that, that family altar, that time around the table, eating a meal together, feeding on God's Word together. If that is happening in your home during the week, then, then at the very least, at the very least, on the Lord's Day, we have time for that type of formal instruction. Where we sit around the lunch table and perhaps, perhaps review the sermon from this morning and ask our children, what did you hear? And, and, and how is that going to be applied in your life? We teach them how to listen to a sermon. We teach them what to listen for. And we train them formally, instructing them in, in how to understand the Word of God, digging into that Word of God together as a family. Do these things as you sit at home. And, he says, when you walk by the way. Now, this is more, perhaps, informal instruction, not sitting around a table together, but informal instruction. Helping our kids to see the glories of God in the world he has made. Maybe we, uh, we happen to have a, uh, a time where there's a rainbow that appears. And rather than, than analyzing that and say, you know, look, this is because of the refraction of certain light waves, uh, this and that, the colors go this way, we say, what a wonderful reminder of God's promises. If I can put it this way, we, we, we reclaim the rainbow as that which God has given to us. A promise he has made, he will never again destroy the earth. Every time we see that, we're reminded of God's faithfulness. We help our children to see God's handiwork in creation that he has made. When you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise, this idea of from morning till night, um, continuously throughout the day, we never end the instruction of our children, finding the teachable moment where we can point them once again to the glories of who God is, to what he has done for us in his son, Jesus Christ. Verse 8 says, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand. They shall be as frontlets before your eyes. Now, uh, there was a time the Jews took this very, very seriously. You shall bind them uh, on your hand. You shall bind them as frontlets. They made little boxes and put the word of God inside those boxes and actually bound them on their hands and bound them between their eyes. Of course, we know that God's requirement is not external. God's requirement is internal that we internalize the truth of his word. We bind them as a sign on our hand, a, a symbol of our actions, the things that we do. Do we seek to, to bring glory to God in the, in the things that we do, the actions that we do? Our kids have to be taught that, that, that what they do is going to be a reflection of who God is, a reflection of their relationship with him. Bind them on your hands and as frontlets between your eyes. 
that we learn to see the world around us through the lenses of the Word of God. Talk about a, a Christian worldview, seeing the world as that which God has created, which God continues to care for and ordain what takes place, His providence over creation. We teach our kids in, in, the, in the daily decisions that we make to bring glory to that God. Write them, he says, on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. This is to be the character of our homes, a place where God is honored, a place where our children are instructed, a place where God's word is the most important thing. Everything else takes second place to being instructed in the word of God. Because we remind ourselves, the word of God is that tool of the Holy Spirit which he uses to bring us and to bring our children to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. We instruct them in the glorious word of God that they might embrace him. We celebrated that this morning, embracing all the promises made in baptism, declaring our love for the Lord. What a glorious blessing. That comes from, from the Word of God being hidden in the hearts of our children, that tool of the Holy Spirit to bring them to saving faith. God gives us a glorious call to teach our children. We'll teach them many things. We must certainly teach them the glorious truths of the gospel, spiritual lessons, a task which are, we are helped in through Christian day school, through catechism, through Sunday school, through Bible study, through shield, through all these things, but a task whose responsibility remains with us as parents. May God help us not to neglect to teach the most important lessons, the fundamental lessons, the truth of the Word of God, the truth of Jesus Christ, a sinner's Savior, that our children and our grandchildren and our great-grandchildren, by the grace of God, might embrace this, this instruction and live every day thankfully for Him. Let's join together in prayer. Lord our God, we thank You for Your Word a word that is right, a word that is true, a word which you yourself have given us that we might train our children. Train them about who you are. You are God, and there is no other. They will hear many things from the world. They will hear many things from their friends. But you are God, and there is no other. May we not neglect that fundamental lesson, O God. May we teach them formally and informally. May we train them. May the character of our homes be those which honor you and honor your Son, Jesus Christ. Lord God, if we have been negligent in this task, we ask you would forgive us. And we pray that you would give us a greater desire, a greater devotion, not only to use the, the helps and the tools available to us, but to fulfill our responsibility to train and to have our children trained in the fear of the Lord. Bless us, we pray, in Jesus' name, amen.